Hey, welcome to One Creative Act. This is a heartfelt conversation with purposeful dreamers, innovators, and community heroes who turn simple creative actions into their greatest adventures and biggest contributions to the world. I'm your host, Mary Lynn Jenkins. What effect can one creative act have on you, your family, your community, your city, the nation, and the globe? What can come out of trusting that you have something to share through your own creativity? These are the questions we'll explore together. Our hope is that you'll walk away from every episode inspired to get into creative action and motivated to try something new, something you haven't tried in years or something you haven't done since you were a little kid. This podcast is an opportunity for you to discover or rediscover your creative spark. I'm so excited to be with you. So get your walking shoes on, get the car packed for a getaway or snuggle up with a cup of coffee and let's enjoy some time together. The mission of One Creative Act is to inspire creative action. And this season, we continue with the theme of creating home. Today's episode was fun, it was personal, and really meaningful because there's no one I've created home with more and no one I'd rather create home with than my husband, T.F. Jenkins. We've been married for 24 years and been together longer than that, and today's episode is a bit of a nod to our anniversary that we celebrate this month and our 24-year journey of creating home together. One of the threads, for sure, in our marriage is building things together. We love history, studying historical architecture. We love knowing where every antique we've ever touched or purchased originated. We love that our parents have passed down special things and our grandparents have passed down special things to us. We love knowing and experiencing a sense of place, a sense of the land with whatever it is that we, that we buy, whatever it is that we build. And even when building something new, how it's most important to think about the history, how you're adding to the harmony of the already existing landscape versus being in opposition with it. Everywhere we've had the opportunity to build, we've shared a desire to put something back into that geographical area that looks like it's always been there. Although newly built, we've always said of every home that we've had, we hope people all walk by and wonder, hmm, is that house, is it 100 years old or is it 10 years old? I think it's a practice really in just being a good steward and also honoring what came before us. In seeing how structures were built, way back when homes were designed, which is really what TF and I love the most, older, older structures and really seeing that beautiful old architecture because of how the sun set or how the wind blew, creating cool spaces when it gets hot, you know, working with a canopy of trees. So the house's design has sustainability and longevity and also thinking about the durability of materials that make for a newly designed home to look like it always belonged. These are the things TF and I have loved working through and thinking through as we've built through the years. I would use my design hat as often as I could, and TF would use his building science and his construction hat as often as he could. And ultimately, what we know is that we made a good team when it comes to building homes, embracing the learning of different parts of the country and where we were building and enjoying the process every single time. Today, we talk about our first home that we built together in Seattle, Washington, the people, gosh, the incredible people who supported that construction process and how very special it was. We talk about our second project together, a home that we built in Colorado in an incredible little town, Buena Vista. Beyond the construction, we gained relationship. That was really probably uh, one of the big things that, that we share in today's episode and that I remember just the relationships with people who we now consider family 
because of building homes and being part of a beautiful, challenging experience with them. And we talk about our home today, the place we built to raise our kids in Florida, a space that was thought through for a long, long time. And it was thought through intentionally for enjoyment now and also for a created future. Intimate spaces to gather together, not just with our family, but with loved ones and dear friends. Small and cozy rooms that every single door that you open, it just allows for you to breathe in refreshment. We worked with the landscape. It's a home that absolutely has vision for thoughtful changes, should we want to make them, and thoughtful changes that we'll probably make as we shift into becoming empty nesters. What I love about our home now is what has been infused into its walls. Above all, some of the deepest conversations and relationship building years with dear friends, our little family and our extended family and friends that we claim as family. TF and I talk about all the amazing people who we consider some of the absolute best in the business, and I've added them all to the show notes. So be sure that you spend some time investigating these people from craftsmen, beloved architects who we worked with along the way, and we adore them now as dear friends, community visionaries who are some of the best people in the world up to incredible things. Check them all out when you can. Building homes is how I believe TF and I have grown up together. It's messy and uncertain. It is very stretching with its fair share of challenges. But how ironic that as we looked back in this episode today, we share how building things together is one of the most lovely memories that propels us forward. I love TF so much, and I'm so thankful for his partnership for 24 years and for all that we've built together. I hope that you enjoy this love story of creating home through the years between me and my very favorite project manager, T.F. Jenkins. Okay, this is so, this is fun. I made you get up and go to your office today so I could have you as a guest on, on the, on the show, huh? It's so fun. Yeah, just clear out the house. Yeah, I know. Tell me what um, what makes you feel most at home. Hmm. I think the people around there, and and there's like a, um, I mean, you can see your hand for sure in the house when I come home. Like you were gone just the past few days, and um, but I could still come home and feel like it was the right place to be, just because you're your design tastes just make it feel right. And then to have the kids there and obviously you there most of the time is, um, so it's a combination of, of place and, and, um, like design look feels right. And then the people around it. Mm. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? How a space, and we've talked about this a lot, but a space, it takes time, mm-hmm. doesn't it? You know, it's the parallel of like everything, relationships, they take time. Well, and good I think conversation, you know, good, good wine. It takes time, right? Yeah. And I mean, think? you can hire somebody to say, okay, I want this place done tomorrow, like a designer or something like that. But the layers that go into a house to me all have a story. And if somebody else brings that in overnight, there's no, there's stuff, but there's no story behind it. There's no um, connection really to the stuff. God, that's really so smartly spoken. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think we have, we have a very specific, it's so neat, isn't it? That we Mm -hmm. actually, well, of course we found each other and we have a, a real, um, what is it? Just a real similar perspective around that, that, that it is in like the collections and, you know, the travel and the, you know, the stories behind things and the generational things that someone gave us. And, you know, um, 
even if we, you know, get something from like, you're a grandparent on your side of the family or a great grandparent on my side of the family. And we want to, we want to transform it a little bit or update it a little bit. Just knowing that there's something sort of behind that piece or behind that collect, that collectible thing, um, it does give it, it gives it greater value. It gives it greater meaning, doesn't it? I mean, and we, we both kind of have brought that to the table. Yeah, I think for sure. And, and what brings to what comes to mind was, um, you know, I don't know, most people probably know this about you, but, but you grew up on a farm and, and um, I was up there a couple of weeks ago with some friends and, and hunting up there. And um, anyways, the place we stayed, you and I have had homes, singular homes all across the country, one at a time. We've never had multiple homes necessarily, but as we've moved across from the West coast to Colorado to back to the Southeast, um, we didn't have room for all that stuff and our tastes have kind of changed. So all that to say being at the country house at your parents' farm last week, and I saw the different pieces of furniture and I like knew each story and I remember where they came from. And, and that's, to me, that's an important part of, of home or, or the story behind the stuff in your home is, is, you know, the memories that it brings up from when you got it, where you got it, how you got it. Um, I mean, I remember some things were completely stretching us when we were firstly married to get these really pretty um, pieces of antiques. And, um, but I remember where they came from. And I remember going to these different places in Birmingham or Seattle or even Colorado to find the stuff. And, and I, I, that's the beauty to me of, of the home is, I mean, the main beauty is the people, but the second beauty is the, is the place and the memories and the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, and you know, you and I, we, we're, we're, we're pretty opinionated too, you know, when it comes yeah. to walking into, I mean, I have the utmost respect for so many, and I know you do too, for incredible architects that we are so grateful that we've, we've been able to work with them. Steve Muzan and Julie Sanford, you know, among others who have impeccable, exquisite, not only design sense, but um, they're, they're like, they've just been at the forefront of design and, and, and making things work for, you know, different, wherever the, the part of the country is where they're designing for and that sort of thing, like really looking to history and things like that to create something. There is also, you know, in new design, just to go back to like the value of what you're adding to it to make it feel like it, it, it didn't just pop up overnight, you know? And I love right. that, what you just said, you know, I think that's always kind of been, we've lived in old places that we've worked on. We've lived in brand new, new builds and it's, you know, the stories of where we got something or, you know, carrying something forward or, you know, the layers and that sort of thing. It's like, gosh, that is to me, it adds so much versus just having everything new done on the yeah. inside, you know? And then, and then the, my fear has always been if you do everything new on the inside and there's not anything that, you know, is layered or, um, old or has a story to it or an old piece or, you know, how you mix mediums inside of a house. Then my fear has always been like, oh my gosh, how do I keep this place looking brand new? You know, I kind of want my, I've wanted my homes along the way. And I know you have too, to grow that patina, you know, like grow yeah. kind of that, oh, it's, it's been here for a hundred years, you know, kind of feel. So, um, that's, and there's a fine line I've, between like, <laughs> between developing that patina and those layers and like just getting a bunch of junk. But, um, but then <laughs> you find that you find that space and um, you got to be willing to get rid of stuff as well when it, you're like, it just doesn't work. But yeah, it's almost like your home's like, and I don't know if this is the right word, but in Victorian times, I think they had curio cabinets, you know, where you'd have all these oddities, you'd open a drawer and there'd be like a shrunken head in there and you'd open another drawer and there's like an, alligator paw or something like that. 
And your house kind of takes on that curio cabinet effect where, you know, the little nooks and crannies have these interesting pieces in there. Yeah. Yeah. To- so true. And there's a way to actually do that. You know, that's what I, I loved working with Julie on the house that we're in now, mm-hmm. because I think she had such an eye for, you don't want every corner to be perfect. Like actually in an older home, you know, in something that was of this area a hundred years ago, there would be some sort of like odd, you know, corner where the, where the roof line met, you know, met, met the, the sidewall or something like that. So it's, you know, when you're working, I think with somebody that really, really wants your house to age well, they're thinking about those, like the curio, you know, kind of the curiosities about a house, you know, to keep them added in. But, um, I want to, you know, cause I just think it's so cool. And actually TF, I didn't even tell you this, but, um, Clay was, uh, came up to visit at the farm this past weekend mm-hmm. while I was there. And he, it, this is our, um, well, we consider him our nephew, but he's a, he's a cousin and he is, he's at the university of Georgia, not necessarily the right choice, but he's at the, <laughs> but he was Definitely talking not the about, right yeah, well, he was talking about, um, the conversation around, of course, like what you major in and what he's pursuing and that sort of stuff kind of came up. And the conversation around building science came up and it, of course, it like made me so proud, you know, to be able to say, Clay, did you know that that's what TF got his undergraduate in, in building science? How, how has, um, you know, and, and I don't even know, like if you knew what you were, what you were getting into when you got into it, but just in terms of like what all we've been able to do over the last 25 years in terms of being able to work together on, and now I'm just talking not the heart and the soul of the home, but just the app, the, the construction of homes and renovations and things like that. How has building science, like has it played a part in your eye for making decisions or, you know, conversations. I mean, I, I think it has, but I'm just curious, like to what degree when you pull, when you pull from your past like that in something that's an opportunity present day. Yeah. Like how much has that played a part in a lot of our projects together? Well, and that's a really good question. And I think, you know, honestly, and you kind of started this way, you got to go back to the beginning and, and, and why I was interested in that is a degree to begin with. Cause one of the reasons I went to Auburn, which was the right school to go to. Sorry, Clay. <laughs> um, and I didn't even know Auburn, Georgia had a building construction program. It's fairly new, but, um, and Auburn's the number one program in the country in building science construction. Okay. But, don't, okay. Don't get too cocky. But as a kid, I was fascinated. We had, you know, just like everybody does, we bought an older home when I was probably six. We, my parents bought an older home. And, um, I mean, it was probably 30 years old at the time, but, um, but it needed work and, you know, it, it was an older family moving out and a younger family it was, my sister was probably two at the time when we moved in. And so anyways, it needed some work done on the house. Cabinets needed to get built and stuff like that. And this, <laughs> this hippie ended up coming to the house who we all know he's done work for us since then several times with Rick Wood. Um, and I was just fascinated with him as a little kid watching this. I mean, literally hippie carpenter, huge beard, huge hair. This was the mid seventies. Obviously drove up in a, in a, in a VW van, but, um, I was just fascinated with that process. And that got me very interested in, in, in the construction process as a kid. And then my cousin went to university of Florida, also the wrong school. And he was a building (laughs) science major. (laughs) And I just remember he'd come home at Christmas and have these cool projects, you know, that he had built and like you know, miniature models of a building and learning how to construct it. So I was just interested in that. Um, and I was also interested in veterinary sciences because of um, James Harriet. And I read all those books as a kid and then engineering because my dad was an engineer. So I was like, well, Auburn's got all three of those. It works for me. So I went up there and that's how I entered that program. Um, and I was just fascinated with the, with the process of it. And, um, and it was more of a application type um, degree. So I, I enjoyed that more than theoretical type stuff. I mean, you're actually, you're actually doing stuff. 
So um, that's how I got interested in the construction process. And then um, after that, I went to law school, but I always stayed involved in construction until um, the past 15 years where I changed careers. But um, I was always, a, you know, either legal in-house or doing project management and stuff. And I just worked with these people that were, I mean, amazing skilled people with amazing names like Don the Salty Dog Salter, um, <laughs> Bill Brewer Grandel, uh, um, Robert, I forgot Robert's last name, but I just was able when we lived in Seattle to work with Buchanan, uh, Dennis Buchanan and these amazing people. And the process just fascinated me. I loved scheduling. I loved budgeting for the projects. And I loved being in the field and working with the people. And, and, and so just the process of building, and, and that was all commercial stuff, but you and I always did residential stuff together. And so, um, and the residential is, you know, more craftsmanship, more handiwork, more trim work and stuff like that. And so I've just always loved the process of building. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I really love the process of completing, but the process of building is really fun too. Um, yeah. And you just go through so many emotions in it. Um, there's always, you know, a tight schedule. There's always somebody's money's obviously involved. There's always people that want to move into the building, be it a home or a, or a commercial building. So, um, there's a lot of pressures around it, but it's a kind of a, even a home, it's a pretty big community of people you're working with between the different trades and your superintendents and the project managers. And, um, it's, it's kind of a really neat, I enjoy the team concept of it and working with people and, um, and, you know, most of the people and the subs and the trades that I worked with were, and even the owners were kind of multiple, um, project type people. So you were working with this great community that I loved. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, like hearing you share all that. I think about, so when we first got married and, um, we had been working for a little while, you know, not, not married in Birmingham. Um, and I was with Southern living and then cooking Mm -hmm. light and full fledged, like creative teams and beautiful interiors and all that sort of stuff. And I remember, you know, your involvement with me, you know, with all of that. And, and it, it was, gosh, it was so much fun because you had an eye for great design and, you know, architecture and all that sort of stuff, just from, you know, from, from your upbringing and from what you had studied and just from your passions. And then when we moved to the other side of the country, I stayed really, I mean, I grew sort of expanded into more set design and, bigger projects and bigger clients and things like that, more advertising and marketing clients and stuff like that. But it was, I mean, I do remember like just kind of thinking back, like we, we did have this really sweet spot where you were, you were, you were like on the job, you knew design, you knew structure. And then I could, you know, well, really we did together, you know, we could work on the inside of a place and, you know, talk through, talk through ideas and have so much fun doing all that. And so I wanted to ask you this, um, what do you think, remember the first house that we, that we worked on together? This is like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. What, what worked for us? What do you think worked for us? Cause I mean, I think, I remember, I mean, God, TF, we were so young. We were living as far away from from what we said was home back then, you know, from Florida, from Alabama, from the South, from, you know, friends that were our experience of home. But we had created an experience of home on the West Coast. And then we started, you know, realizing like, oh, we should work on a on a home. And we mm-hmm. did that. What when you think back, and I'm talking about it a little bit to give you time to think <laughs> what worked. What was it that worked? Like, how did we not like how did we get through that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was a crazy period of our life. I mean, we had just moved across, you know, from Birmingham, Alabama to Seattle, Washington. So we were my <laughs> my sister had just moved to Ireland at the time or Scotland actually. And, um, my parents said it was actually closer 
distance wise flying to Scotland than it was to Seattle. So we were far away from everybody and everything we knew. Um, and that was obviously stressful in our marriage. And we were going through some marital stuff at that time. We didn't have kids. Um, although one was coming that we, that we didn't necessarily know about, but, um, I think that process to answer your question, um, one, we had the benefit and, and I probably need to write a long letter to, to Dennis Buchanan and thank them. We had the benefit of using all the equipment that we had at the, at the company, which was amazing because I drove every weekend for probably six months. I would drive from Seattle where we lived over to Bellevue, which is only 15 miles, but it's, you know, it's a good 30 to 40 minute drive, pick up a dump truck drive it back to the house in Seattle. So another 40 minute drive demo the house all day with you, although you were pregnant for part of the time. And so, you know, some of the times it was just me or me and a buddy just doing demo. And a lot of times it was you and me with a, you know, not gas masks, but whatever masks on. Yeah. Um, we I were, remember. Yeah. We were, we were COVID before COVID was hip, but, um, <laughs> and doing all the demo and carrying that stuff up and then driving down to the dump at the end of the weekend, on Sunday, dumping it, driving it back to Bellevue. And I mean, you had to go through like eight lanes of traffic on the interstate. It was insane. I, I don't know how we did it, but, but, and part of the reason we did it that way is because we, this was 2002. I mean, the market was insane out in Seattle at the time. Um, and so it took like six months to get a permit. So we just, you know, saved money and did all that work on our own. But I think that just really brought so, I mean, I remember so many ends. Remember when we scrapped the drywall out of the house? I mean, it almost killed us, almost killed us. And then, um, and then we got like two bottles of champagne and a, and a pizza, a Pagliacci's <laughs> I pizza. I totally remember it. Yeah. <laughs> and just sat, so it. it was a pain in the butt. It was a ton of work, but we had nothing else going on. And it was just a great time for us to, to, um, create together and work together and, um, man, grind. We grinded hard on that house. Yeah, we did. I mean, I just, yeah, I remember having, you know, and it's, it's in hindsight that I can say this, like even hearing you say all that, it gets me kind of choked up just thinking about, <laughs> uh, I know, and it gives you choked <laughs> up too, doesn't it? So yeah. just thinking about like the kindness of Dennis, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, all the support really that we had in, in that first, you know, in that first construction, major, major project yeah. of building a home out there in the city. And, um, and really it was a, I mean, we call it, a it was restoring a home, but really it wasn't, it was completely no. gutting a home down to the studs, putting a, a 19, second floor on it. Yeah. It was a 1903 what was I think, it? house, 19 yeah. something. Yeah. It was Bill right when Boeing had just first came to Seattle. And so that's where all the Boeing people lived. It was up on Queen Anne. They yeah, were tiny. It was probably 1,200 square feet. Yeah, 1,400 square mm -hmm. feet. And then we added, yeah, added basically tore down to the studs, interior and exterior. That was probably all that was left. We had to pull out all the old gas piping. It all was still old knob and tube electrical. Um, most of it had been decommissioned, but not all of it. And then, yeah, added a second story and, and out of the basement, really, because the basement yeah. was just dirt. Yeah. I remember getting it dug out and going down there, you know, having like, that's where Robert, I remember Robert would be yeah. working down there trying to put a shower. He was putting the laundry room down there and, you know, just, yeah, incredible people, tons of support. And, um, I don't think it we had? happen that way today. I don't either either. Cause we had that plumber that came and he just, he basically almost lived there. He was amazing. I don't even know where he came from. <laughs> I really don't. Isn't it great? We yeah, I can remember his face, but I can't remember his name. People. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It's so special. Yeah. And then my, my favorite memory oh, about that house. Well, my favorite memory about that house was when we finally had gotten it done. Literally had scrapped out the last bit of work. We had sort of construction cleaned it. We had moved in. I don't even think the cabinets were ready. They hadn't been painted yet. And one of the luxuries we put in there was a um, was a uh, soaking tub, like a jet tub. And I think that yeah. was the same day we had we had this enormous piece of furniture delivered from Birmingham 
It was this old French corner cabinet. We put it in. I destroyed my back putting that thing in. It was enormous. And then I was like, finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the tub. I got a glass of wine or something. I was in the tub for maybe two minutes. I just got in. I was like, uh, turn the jets on. And I heard screaming and panic from downstairs. Marilyn came running up. Somebody had forgotten to put a plug on the tub and it was water was just flowing out Gushing. of the light fixture downstairs. Yeah. So it was coming straight from the tub I mean, into a light like fixture a... onto the floor. And I was like, are you kidding me? It was like it, it was it was like the it was a scene from a nightmare. Oh, like a home, like, a home a home nightmare. Get out like of the tub. Stop the water. <laughs> It was an old old Tom Hanks movie, Money Pit. It was just like that. Yeah, it was like that. And then that got fixed. And then we really had very had very few problems. That was the only problem we had. Yeah, I mean, we just kept like planting stuff outside. And Hill came home there. He that's where he that was his first home when we had our little baby boy, which is and we were pretty poor. I mean, we had to do everything ourselves and i mean that was the only way it was going to happen we did a lot a lot a lot of work on that house yeah yeah it was a really really special place how how important is um you know when i think about like what you bring to the table definitely i mean every day but when i think about home projects and big construction projects and building and all the things that we've done together, how important is consistency for you? You you stay really steady, like probably to the point where that has probably gotten in the way sometimes in our relationship. Cause I'm like, where the hell is his emotion? Like I want him to, you know, <laughs> it's, you're so steady when things get intense, um, that I'm like, does, is he even worried about this? Like really show any emotion or, you know, and then, I mean, we, we've grown in a lot of ways in, in, in that conversation, but I'm just curious, like, I guess the question is how important is consistency to you and what does it, what is, what is it that you're practicing to keep that such a quality in your life? Hmm. Well, I think the main thing, and it, it's, it has less to do with construction. One, one of the things I love about the, when I was in construction and doing it was um, it's difficult to have analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis because you have to make decisions quick because you got a schedule going. And if this isn't made today, that's going to affect something tomorrow and roll down the line. So, um, that's something I loved about construction and it's, it's less applicable, um, in my job skills today. But the, the thing that really, I guess, to answer your question that, that keeps me consistent and, and I call it somewhat brainwashing. Um, but my second level of school was going to law school and, you know, a big part of that process in law school is a Socratic method where your teachers are asking you questions and you're having to debate both sides of something. Um, and so that, law school training and and I curse it sometimes because it tends to create paralysis by analysis because you're looking at both sides of something. Um, and so I, but I think to answer your question, I think that is what developed my consistency more than anything else was learning that skill, um, or, or curse of being able to see things from both sides and not jumping to quick conclusions, but trying to, um, I guess, reason between two different options. God, that's so good. It's a great quality to have. I see that in our daughter. I see that in yeah. MC, you know, well, she's also, she, and thank goodness, you know, she's learned and had to apply those skills to debate this year. And yeah, she might be a good lawyer. Yeah, I know. It's funny. <laughs> um, okay. So, I want you to share, because I think it's so, I think it's one of the greatest stories. And by the way, like, I didn't realize this is where we were going to go in our conversation, but I kind of love it. Um, so we're living in Seattle 
And you and one of our dearest friends who absolutely is the experience of home, uh, I'll say his first name, Will, Mm -hmm. um, y'all find out about this small Colorado town. You and I had always dreamed about having a home in Colorado. The timing felt right. We were young. We were both working really hard. We, you know, and, and what happened? What happened in that conversation with Will? Well, it's, Will's a good person to bring up. And Will's one of those people that I, I met through you, honestly, and, and we've got a bunch of overlapping friends. But he's one of those people that we just fell in lockstep and, like, can go get in trouble, good trouble, but, like, right away and just have <laughs> the best time at it. I mean, laugh. And and he's a really great soul. And and so um, it's a, we get in acceptable trouble. But um, And... <laughs> To wait, I'm, I want to interject too because this is totally just how I think home, the creation of home, design, building, all of it. It just we we do love it, and we love we love the people in our lives that have the creatives, you know, that in our lives that have that we've been able to not only just be great great friends with, but to support, work with. Will is, he has an unbelievable rug company, which is crazy, but he was my dear friend growing up in Birmingham, had ironically, but not by chance either, um, moved to Seattle about a year before we did, right? Yeah, six months, six, nine months. Yeah, about six or six, nine months before you and I moved out there and um, really launched his um, custom rug company when he was in Seattle. So we, of course, you know, like he's our first friend out there because we were already dear friends from the South. And then so, okay, so now pick up from there. All right. Well, and one thing about Did he reach out to you or did you reach out? He reached out to me. So one thing about Will is not now because he's got a lovely wife. We're still not sure how that happens. But Natalie has curated <laughs> their home, so it's amazing. Will's home prior to Natalie was definitely junk. It was not a curio cabinet. It was a bunch of junk. But um, but he's changed his ways. He's an, he's an amazing guy. He No, he called me one day. We um, had a friend that was on staff with Young Life out in Buena Vista, Colorado. And so we had been out there and Buena Vista today is not like this, but then it was a tiny, tiny little town. There was like a pizza joint and an old bar that you didn't go into. And that was kind of it. That and Bongo there. Billy's, Bongo, Bongo Billy's, Billy's coffee yeah. shop on the side of the road, right? There was a yeah. coffee. Yeah. Cause it's halfway between Leadville and Salida. So it, it got a lot of traffic through there and all the 14ers at the collegiate peaks are there, but Anyways, so we have known at this place for five years or so when Will called me, five or ten years. And Will goes, Hey man, I'm at I'm at Barnes and Noble's poaching magazines. He he and his I guess he and Natalie were married then. So they would go to Barnes and Nobles and just read magazines and get a cup of coffee for like two or three hours and then and go home. And so he's like outside magazine, and they still do this, would have their best fifteen places for outdoor living or something like that. Um, and they do it annually and, and they do several of them now, but anyways, this one that came out, it was best outdoor places to live in Buena Vista, Colorado was like seven. And Will called me from the Barnes and Noble and he was like, Hey, haven't you been to B- Buena Vista before? And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, it's, it's listed in outside magazine and this brother and sister are building this amazing development there. And I was like in Buena Vista. I mean, there's nothing there. Nobody's going to buy a home there. I think the largest popular, the largest um, provider of jobs in Buena Vista at the time was the state prison. So, I mean, that kind of paints the picture of the general um, community around there. But um, I was like, well, I mean, it's only a plane ticket and it was from Seattle. It wasn't a, you know, a big flight or anything. I was like, let's fly down there and check it out. So we flew down there and we rented a car in Denver, drove to Buena Vista, which is about a two hour drive. And, um, we got there and Will was like, we got there like at six o'clock. It was summertime. Maybe it may have been eight o'clock, but it was still daylight. And, but the office was closed and Will was like, well, let's just go drive around where the site is and look at it. So we drove out there and, um, we were playing music and, and, um, driving in the truck around the site. And the site was literally an old dump. 
And we were just, we were laughing so hard. We were crying. We were like, <laughs> what suckers are they going to get to buy into this thing? There was nothing there but an old dump and old broken bottles. And, and it was on the river. It was beautiful setting, but it was not a beautiful piece of property. And um, anyways, the next day we went in and we met with um, the owners at the time weren't there. Jed Selby and, and Katie weren't there, but they had two. Um, well, they had three people, Bill Dobson, who's still a dear friend, and two other guys who I think it was John and Bob or something. They've been gone for, I think, the day after we flew out of Denver, they were out, they were out of the project. <laughs> but anyways, Bill Dobson is one of the people... I love him to death. He could sell ice to Eskimos. And we left there two days later. We both had bought a lot. I have still have no idea how he did. Because there was like, there wasn't, there wasn't a ditch on the property. They hadn't done any infrastructure. And Will and I just laughed. We laughed so hard that weekend just at what idiots we were. And I think this hotel we stayed at had like an, had an indoor pool. It was gross. And um, the only place to eat <laughs> the first night, because we, we, you know, we ran the, got done with the site and it was probably nine o'clock. And so we went into someplace and we were like, Hey, where can we get something to eat? And they're like, well, the Seven Eleven's still open. So we had to go. I got, I got the chili Fritos and a Coke and a six pack of beer. I think that's the only thing we could get for, for food that, <laughs> but, um, anyways, that, that was the process of getting a lot there, but it developed in this amazing community where we met. Like you said, um, Steve Muzan, we met all the new urbanism people, Julie Sanford. Um, I know I'm leaving a bunch of people out, but, but we met all these amazing people. And then Jed and Katie Selby, who were brothers and sisters that had started this development. And then, you know, Jed with his wife, Kenley after that. And when I say the level of design and the level of construction is top notch, it's really amazing what's out at that place. And, um, you know, we still keep a connection with it. We don't have a home out there anymore, but um, a part of my heart's still out there with the fishing and the hiking and the, mm -hmm. you know, even the skiing and everything else and the people. So, um, you know, we're actually going out there this summer and, and see some of those people. And, yeah. Um, and, and, and a lot I of that furniture. Well, I was just going to say a lot of that furniture that uh, I saw last week came from that spot. And I remember where it oh, was yeah. that spot. So it's like uh, the story yeah. continues, even though. We don't own the house, but the stuff is still around. Yeah. 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 And, and just the great memories of um, taking the kids out there. So, the, I mean, the kids were toddlers. Mm -hmm. Hill, Hill was, I mean, Hill has memories, you know, I guess maybe we, we sold that house when he was about 10. It was eight years ago. So yeah, he would have been right around yeah. nine or 10. Nine or ten years old, so just like you know, great pictures of them, you know, down by the river, you know, when there would be a, a mild snow or something in right. the valley with hats and gloves and all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I, I can't say enough good things about Jed and Kenley, who I feel like are now their family. They're they're in, they're the experience of home to me for sure. And what, you know, watching to, I mean, we all were kids, but they're a little bit younger than us. So, you know, it's like watching the kids grow up yeah. with, with so much vision, so much vision for like literally what you just said, a dump. It was the dump on the river in the middle of paradise, in the middle of 14,000 foot peaks. And the vision that was brought in to that space um, and what they have persevered through, I just, I, I, you know, I can't move on without just like acknowledging them. And I know you feel the same way. They're just, they're incredible people with incredible vision who have caused something that it would have never happened otherwise. And, yeah. um, with that, I mean, that they actually, I'd love to have them, you know, yeah. um, on the podcast because, you know, I, I think that they're such an example of, um, of building things, you know, mm -hmm. and creating, creating home. And we, you and I both know that when you're up to something big, you're also going to be up against a lot of resistance. And I know they've, they've had their fair share of that, you know, with just, you know, an area that ha 
is so ripe for great growth if done the right way, which I, you and I both feel like they, they have done it the right way, but there's always going to be people who, who oppose that, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so South Main was, how did that work? What do you think to go back to the same question? What, um, what worked for us there? Because we were living in Seattle, building in Colorado. And I remember being like, I don't know how this is going to work, but we had to make design decisions. We had to fly back and forth. We had a baby. I mean, Hill was, I remember him like running on the trails and stuff like that in Colorado back then. But what, um, what worked for us then? How did, how did we survive that one? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that one, that one, it doesn't have as many visceral memories as the Seattle home because was more temporal as we were coming and going, you know, it wasn't the Seattle home. I was probably driving there. If not once a day, at least five times a week, you know, to check it out. And cause we weren't living mm-hmm. in proximity to where we were building. Again, you're only talking five or 10 miles, but in a city like Seattle or New York or anything, five or 10 miles can be pretty significant. Um, so the Colorado home was more, man, we had some frustrations with that house as far as our builder was not, yeah. um, he, honestly, he didn't know what he was doing. He, he, he was, um, he came in from a different field and decided he was going to be a developer. And after 2008 decided he wasn't going to be a developer, but, um, you know, and making decisions is difficult when you can't, I'm more tactical, tactile. Like if you describe something to me, I really need to see it. And like, you know, picking trim and tile and paint colors and all that was um, more of a process, but something that Jed and um, and Katie did well was they hired really good people like Muzan. And so, um, Steve was, was, um, and Julie and a lot of the people they employed were all integral in, in developing 30A and Seaside and all those areas. So they had come up with a process of creating a vignette where, you know, there's a color palette you can use. There's a design palette you can use. Um, so that was more helpful in, in building at least the structure of the house. The interiors were more difficult being from a area away. But I mean, I remember networking with your brother cause he knew somebody in Alabama that had reclaimed wood. And so we got all these reclaimed hickory that were literally from, I think they were from us pipe in Birmingham where they would stack the pipe after it came out of the furnaces on these hickory pallets cause they wouldn't burn. And so these people anyways, recycled these hickory pallets and we turned them into our flooring, which was gorgeous flooring. Totally um, forgot about that. I yeah. Totally forgot I just about thought that. about it just as we were talking. Yeah. But it's crazy. I remember we had that stonemason that built the fireplace. So there were really cool yeah. craftsmen, the, the steel workers out there that wanted to do the fireplace around. They were just, we couldn't afford them honestly, but their, their craftsmanship was just amazing. Um, yeah. But it was a different process and we didn't have stuff, you know, to put in there. So we had to kind of go around the community to different antique shops and met a lot of great people that way down at Salida. Um, I remember that. In other yeah. areas. And so it was kind of the building of the house process uh, does not stick with me as much, but the furnishing of it sticks with me quite a bit more because that's when we were, you know, we would go there and go exploring with the kids and, and just find different stuff to put in there. And a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff is existing. So and, yeah. It's at Selwood now. A lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's fun to see it's those. Fun. And I remember that little, I, just, I just can still feel that little antique store in Salida that we would go to. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. Okay. So we don't have much more time, but we've right. got to go here. I, so what is so just miraculous is that it was because of the Colorado build and um, all that we learned through there, it was actually because of that, that we met Julie Sanford. Mm-hmm. And the irony of it is we didn't really know back when we were building the Colorado house, we had, we didn't know that we were going to end up back here in Florida. And it was almost like God said, here, I've got the woman that you get to, you know, that's going to create the experience of home for you. And I'm introducing you to her before you even get there. So by the time we got to Florida, 
Um, and we had, you know, all kinds of, you know, it, it was challenging for sure, moving from the West Coast and, you know, Mary Crawford showed up that, you know, within a couple of months, our daughter showed up within a couple of months of our move and I have a toddler and all the things, you know, I missed the people who I had grown so close to and you were transitioning into a, you know, whole new career and that sort of thing. And it was our choice. We knew it was the right choice for our life at that point. And it still was hard. You know, it was a lot, Mm -hmm. it was a lot of, it required, it required a lot. Um, but flash forward, you know, maybe five years into our living here, we really did start realizing like it's time to build again, like how fun, you know, maybe, maybe we'll build. And so we, we started a conversation with Julie Sanford who became our architect. And, um, we had such an incredible experience with her, her, eye for detail, her, her um, passion for historical architecture, her passion for um, just thoughtfulness in regards to land, the landscape, the ocean, how to, you know, work with the, the way that the, you know, just the, the elements and how, how people should live, you know, how people used to live. And we got away from that in architecture and design and went huge and, you know, windows that wouldn't open and, you know, but Mm. you just blasted air conditioning into the house or whatever. She really was this, this, um, designer and architect that really studied the land, studied the, you know, the home that you want to put on the land. So the relationship really, really works. And, um, I'm just curious for you to share because I loved this process more than anything. We were stretched emotionally. Um, I don't know how we made it through the, through this build, but we did. And we got closer as a result of it. We learned so much as a result of it, but I'm just so curious, like what, from your perspective, you know, what, what worked, what worked for us and what are your sweetest memories in the, in the process of, where we're living now working um, with Julie and all of that. Well, and I think this, the story even goes deeper or longer than that. And that each house we built kind of provided the next house we built. So we built Seattle and somebody came in and made us an offer that we couldn't refuse and we sold it. And that allowed us to not just move back home. That's not why we sold it, but that was part of the process but it also allowed us to buy the Colorado house. We moved back here as we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And they were like, okay, if we want to build here, we need to sell the Colorado house. So each part of it was a step in that process. And each part of that was a step in our growth um, as a couple, obviously, but also in our kind of our design and, and what we really wanted, like what the process should be like. We had no idea we were doing the first house. Second house <laughs> was kind of forced into a process. Um, because of that vignette um, type of, of design process they had come up with, which felt a little restrictive at that point. But then in the next process, is like, oh, I think we both wanted a home that felt like not only had it been there for a long period of time, it was going to be there for a long period of time after us. Um, and so we tried to build a home that was as... as, as um, I mean, mainly the, the least environmental impact you're going to have on a home is having a home that's going to last a long time, um, not be tore down and thrown into a landfill. We also made it very energy efficient and, and you know, very design specific with, with Julie and those people. But, you know, I think there's a learning process and you kind of develop the people around you that, that meet um, your style or your needs. And, and that was what Julie was for us. And, um, and in the process of building the home, it was, it was different. It was probably a little more personal. It was the closest home we've ever built to us. It was literally four houses down from where we were living at the time. Um, mm-hmm. It was a property that meant something to me because it's a property that I grew up on when I was a little kid from when I was six to 14 or 15. And then my aunt lived there until we acquired the property. Um, 
so there was a story behind the property already and obviously deep in my roots. And then um, I was just honored, honestly, to be able to bring you into that process of something that meant so much to me um, historically. And then have you, you know, work with me and, and Julie work with us to design something that um, was, you know, more than likely going to be our forever home. Um, you know, we yeah. built a first floor bedroom so that we could age in place. And um, we try to keep, <laughs> we try to keep it as small as possible. So it wasn't going to be a, you know, 7,000 square foot monster that you have to heat and cool and everything else. Um, you know, and we, we did separate living quarters for, we're using it as an Airbnb now, but initially it was just for guests and family that came into town. And so, you know, we built mm -hmm. that home as a place to, um, share ourselves and, and entertain, um, family and friends and, you know, be able to have Bible studies or, or whatever we wanted to do at our house, um, to just involve other people outside our family into what, um, what we're all about. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely the experience of home in such a soulful way. You know, the minute that the door creaks and opens, you know, for how old is this house now? Eight years old. Eight years. You know, yeah. it really does. Starting to feel like um, you walk into an old house, and that is that is all I've ever longed for. You know, is to walk into a house that was designed so thoughtfully. It took us a lot of time, you know, and thank goodness we did have Julie when we had her because I think her business and you know what she's doing now for this area has exploded. So we got involved with her, you know, in a really, really sweet time when I think things were somewhat slower for her and she was able to spend that kind of time with us, you know, with every thoughtful detail and how we wanted to move and live and work and play and, you know, be hospitable with this space and that sort of thing. And though it just back to like full circle, it does take time for you to be able to open the door and walk in and it feel like, ah, oh, this is, this has soul now, you know, this has soul. It's not just this new, newly constructed house that was thoughtfully designed. It's, it's got a heartbeat and it's the experience of home now, you know, with the layers yeah. and the smells and some, you know, some beautiful old things mixed with new things and, um, landscape that's starting to feel, you know, kind of grow over walls and make it feel older. And like, it's, you know, like it's been here for a long time. And I know that was really, that was our goal with it, you know, was to let it age, age beautifully. Um, but eventually look like a kind of a smaller old house that had been at the beach for a hundred years. And, um, you're, you're such a huge part of that TF. You're, Oh, I'm getting emotional. Just your, um, you know, people I think for a long time thought, oh, you're the one, Mary Lynn, you have, you have the design sense. And I would be like, you haven't talked to my husband. Like he is such a um, thoughtful, um, he's an architect of space. And um, so the experience of a home to me. I wouldn't want to be here with anybody else. Hmm. Well, it's, it is, it is great. And I think, I mean, it's cliche, but, but, you know, home is where, where your people are. Um, and that has, you know, not only just shifted from house to house to house, but geographically we've moved from, you know, 3,500 miles away to here kind of in, in, in skips and jumps. And, um, and I still consider all of those old places, starting with our home in Seattle and then the condo in Seattle and then the place in Colorado, and the place here now, and even my family home as a kid and, and the, your family home as a kid. Those are all my home. They've just kind of migrated to different places. And, um, and, and the ultimate thing is, is, is the heart. In the in the family that's around that space, that home, and and that's what makes it important. Because without that, I mean, 
you know, even when you and the kids will go out of town sometimes, I'm like, ah, oh, I've got the house to myself. And it's awesome for like 12 hours. <laughs> and then the next day I'm like, there's really nothing to do. There's nobody here, you know? And I'm like, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be here when there's nobody here. So it's, uh, yeah. um, it, it's, it is the space and it is the stuff, but it's really the people and the memories and the, um, in, in the collections. You're, I mean, your home is, you're curating your life in a space and saying, Hey, this is our, you know, our family museum. What do you think? Yeah. Like, like what do you yeah. know about us? And, um, yeah. I think that's neat. And, yeah. um, and I think we have a neat, neat space where, you know, we probably should invite the kid across the street, Davis. He could probably explore the house for a few days. <laughs> just find little things. <laughs> so uh, fun. Uh, oh. his new neighbor and he's so sweet, but he, he, he likes to hang out. Um, he likes you. It's so fun. We'll grow old and be able to watch him, you know, come across the street. And yeah, it's really sweet. Well, um, I want to sort of wrap up because okay. we could, you know, we, we could go on. Well, first, the well, one thing that I want to say, the first thing I want to say before we wrap up is, um, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And just, and, um, you know, this uh, episode is really special for so many reasons, because we don't normally spend an hour just talking about home and talking about the the structures that have, have meant home to us and how we created them together and where they were and all of that. So that's really, um, that's really special to me. And I hope that listeners get something out of, um, you know, I hope there's some value for people listening just in terms of like, yeah, what it takes and, it's a, it, it is, it's probably the biggest project and the biggest investment you'll, you'll make, but what goes into it, you know, and how you move through the process is really what matters most, you know? And, um, I, I want to say this, that I'm ready for the next project. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm ready for the next one. It's about time. And also, um, just thank you for being my partner in creating all of this. And this will, this podcast will drop right around our, is it 24? 24 years. Anniversary. Yes. Yeah. So this will be, it's either, yeah, it's, it's the week of our 24th anniversary. So nice. it's really fun, you know, to just kind of think about like what, Derby week. what home. Yeah. Derby week. Can't wait for that. So, um, yeah, it's kind of fun to just kind of the parallels of home and creating it with you. And it's been 24 years of creating it together. So, okay, I'm going to finish up with some rapid fire questions. You down for that? Let's do it. Okay. You've kind of already answered this, but um, maybe it's shifted a little bit. What makes you feel most at home? Um. Well, I'd say this, the times I feel most at home are when we're all gathered together, cooking something and hanging out or, or eating something and hanging out and, um, or even just all curled up in the bed or upstairs watching a movie together. I mean, those are my, that's what feels most like home is, is having all my, all my people around me and, and, um, doing something together. Yeah. So good. Why is home important to you? Hmm. You know, I've never really thought about why it's important, but, um, viscerally, it's just the feeling I get, you know, just the peace and, and, and and like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and probably on a bigger, um, platform than that is, it's just, you know, I, it just feels like it's a place I'm supposed to be. It's like where God wants me to be is in this place with these people. And, um, why I can't, I couldn't tell you, although beyond that, it's just where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. How does, and you kind of spoke to this, um, um, but here it is in a specific question. How does your creative space, your home, how does it represent you? That is with the stuff that we've collected there, with the art, with the, you know, 
there's an alligator head somewhere in the house. I'm not exactly sure where it is right now, but, um, there's, uh, you know, there's a deer head in a place. It just, it just creates conversation and creates why, you know, when new people come to your space and, and, um, the why can be a whim, you know, I just saw that and wanted to buy it or the why could be, um, that's something my grandfather gave me or something like that. So, um, I just, I like being able to, I just see it as a, as a museum to our family and, um, and a little story behind everything in there. If, if anybody ever wanted to ask. Yeah, it's really great. What does creativity mean to you? Mm. Creativity to me means, um, having a sense of style and how to define that. I have no idea because you obviously see different people's styles and different, um, different applications, which may or may not be your style, but, but having a sense of style and then having the, um, the confidence to, to go for it. You know, if you see something that you think will work to, to make it happen and, um, and not stew too long over making those decisions, but, but make the decisions and, and bring them in. And, um, some of them are going to work and some of them won't, but, uh, but if it feels right, um, style wise, you know, it's probably something you should sit with for a little bit. Mm, it's really good. I love you. Love you too. Thank you for, thank you for spending an hour with me. No, thank you for doing this. Cause and I, now, you know, you curate it, curate, you, you lead it really well and your questions are great. And I don't think it's a, what things to your point and what you said earlier, people just don't sit down and discuss this stuff a lot of times. And it just, um, you get so caught up in the rote day-to-day activity. You don't really think about how you ended up there. And so I think it's important to have these conversations mm-hmm. and, and, um, and to listen to these conversations. Yeah. Thanks, babe. It's yeah, important to remember how, how important and how wonderful home is. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and it's something important to create and, you don't think about it when you're younger. I never really thought about it. Um, but once we got married and, you know, I guess a house is the next thing you're supposed to do. And, um, Mm -hmm. and it meant a lot. I really, I really enjoyed the processes and, and look forward to whatever the next great adventure is. Mm. Thanks love. I'll see you. I'll see you back at home. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining me today on one creative act. I hope this conversation has you imagining what's possible to move in the direction of the creativity you have and to take action to ignite it. I hope you're inspired and recognize that you too have been born with an adventure only you can create. If you enjoyed this conversation, hit the subscribe or follow button, write a review or share it with a friend and connect with us on Instagram at one creative act. Share what you loved about this episode on your Instagram story and tag us. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I can't wait to create again together.